0: Welcome to the What's Up Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the What's Up Podcast. My name is Brendan Burtall. I am your host, as you already know. And this is the 10th, number 10. 10 double digits. The, the age I was when I realized. I don't know what I realized. How to be a man. I was 10. I was like, I'm going to be a man now. It's time to be a man. Well, I am sitting in a hotel. I'm sitting in a Holiday Inn Express in Greer, South Carolina. People down here are so nice. It's like Southern hospitality is not just a fucking rumor. Super nice people. Working with some fucking bread and butter. Blue collar guys. Took me to the nice fucking, one of the best barbecue joints I've ever been to in my life. It was really good. They had this shit called hash. Well, when I think of hash, it's either, you know, corned beef and hash. Which is like this weird, canned, salty, shitty... Well, it's not shitty. It's actually pretty good, but not good for you at all. And they, they had this stuff. What they call hashes is like this pork, shredded pork and onions. And I don't know. You can probably Google it, but eat it on rice. And it's fucking delicious. Super good. Also fried okra. I've heard of fried okra. And I think I may have tried fried okra, like Dickies. But this fried okra was fucking next level. And I've been down south, and I know all about southern life a little bit, and I've had sweet tea, but it's always just, like, a little bit too sweet. It's always just like, oh, too much, a little bit too much for me. But I had some tea today that, fuck, it was so good. I don't even know. didn't even taste like sweet tea that I've had in Texas or, you know, Kansas City, or I don't even know if you can consider that south, but Oklahoma, Oklahoma's huge. Some, some uh, sweet tea, sweet tea drinking boys down in Oklahoma there. It's like I thought, you know, coming from North Dakota, sweet tea is like a, it's like a seasonal drink. It's like sun tea. It's like put the Lipton packages in the fucking nineties. Glass jar with the little spigot. It's got the fucking grapefruits on it, or like the farm print. You let it sit in the sun. Put a little. I don't know. My grandma's, my grandma and my mom always had this. Like I don't know. It's called like simple ten. Or, I don't know. I'm pretty, it was pretty, pretty much just simple syrup, which is water diluted, or sugar diluted in water. But it had like this little white top on it. You'd squeeze it, and you you know squeeze lemon and. That's that tea still is better than the tea that I had, like the sun tea that my grandma made. That that'll never be beaten. That's f- the best tea I've ever had. But this is number two for sure. And the waitresses were just on top of shit. Like they didn't even let me get fucking two drinks out of my cup. So I was right on it. Just walk in barbecue buffet. Where the fuck are you, North? Where are you, North Dakota? No barbecue buffets. I was like, you pick, I'll buy. For everybody, let's go. I'm like, where are we headed? Where are you guys taking me? You got a little spot? I'm in like central South Carolina, so I don't know. I've never been here before. It's really nice. It's beautiful. Looks just like North Carolina. Kind of got like that smoky mountain feel to it. But it took me to this place. I can't even think of what it's called. It had like a chubby pig on it. it. had like the piggly wiggly from Minot back in the day before. It was Miracle Mart Express. Or maybe even Fargo. I think they had one. But it had this chubby pig on it. I'm going to Google it right now. But it was some of the best barbecue I've ever had in my entire life. Like I wanted, for the sake of not looking like a fucking weirdo. Like at one point in time, I felt like I wanted to stand up and stomp my fucking foot. It was so good. They had that macaroni and cheese. Had like some. Lowry salt on it, so it was nice and fucking salty. Oh, God, it was good. But anyways, so yeah, it has been a, uh, it's been an interesting couple days for me, two days. Started off yesterday morning, thought I was leaving at 11, uh, got a, got a notification the before one in the morning that my, um, that my flight was delayed and that I needed to rebook, um... So I did until 5 o'clock. Thank God I did that because I had the one of the greatest Sundays I think I've ever had. Uh, I started off, just kind of hung out, had coffee with Sam, just had a great morning. Um, took, took Charlie outside for the first time. He, he was born on December 28th last year, so... He's been outside, but he's been like from the garage or from the hospital to the fucking car. Then from our heated garage into our home, but he had never experienced cold or snow or anything. and I got to take him outside for the first time. He fucking loved it. My dad bought us like old school wooden toboggan sled. It's got kind of like a little wooden basket all around it. Um, staying next to a pretty busy highway and I got the mic cranked up so you might hear uh, some vehicles in the background flying by but just enjoy the the Greer South Carolina ambience but yeah my dad bought Hadley a sled probably when she was about where Charlie is now maybe a little bit older so uh, Hadley came out we went to the grocery store together uh, I got her a little snow shovel she She wanted a purple one. They only had red. She's like on this purple thing right now. She's super pumped on purple. So she's like, yeah, okay, it's not purple. If we would have had a fucking purple, purple shovel, the whole, the whole driveway would have got cleared out. Since it was a red shovel, she's like, oh yeah, I'll play with this for like five minutes, but I'm kind of over it. Dad, you know, not really a, not really a red kind of gal, even though I really like shoveling snow so I kind of hit me I was like ding I have this I put the sled away a long time ago and I was like holy shit we have a sled so I pulled the sled out uh, proceeded to do about 50 or 60 yards full sprint with her in the sled um, she loved it it was great like this moment as a parent when you look back as your kid at your kid in the sled and they're just like they're like kind of scared but they're kind of super fucking happy too and they got like snow dust in their face and I was just like fuck yeah I remember that my stepdad shout out to Josh he uh when we were at my grandparents house I don't know I was probably like, I don't know, 12 11 10 12 I don't know he had this old Chevy pickup this black silver auto that truck I'll never forget that truck at one point I think he had like a propane kit in the back of it you could run that fucking thing off propane because I think, at one time, LP or propane might have been cheaper than gasoline. And I just remember that truck. Just fucking. The I mean, I was a young kid, you know. Any truck was was cool. I, th- I think you know, that was one of like you know one of the first trucks I got to drive really. And uh, I just have this vague, this or this really uh, vibrant memory. We, had this, we always had these orange fucking cheap Walmart sleds. I don't know where they came from. I, always t- I talked in the past about like just shit just like showing up in our fucking sheds. But for some reason, I don't know why, we always had... My grandparents had one. I had one. I don't even remember buying it or getting it as a gift. It's like the shed was like this cornucopia of shit that you could play with when you were bored. And... Our shed always had a fucking orange sled in it. But one time, uh, you know, Josh was a fucking thrill seeker. He was through and through. He, he was always, he's like my Uncle Robin. Those guys are like cut from a different cloth. You know, they were, they always pushed the limits. They're always pushing the adrenaline or climbing shit like Steve Byram or, you know, they... When when a normal man would fucking look at something and be like, "Alert! Alert! Danger! Danger!" they looked at it as like, "Challenge accepted. I'm gonna, f- I'm gonna climb it. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking drive it as fast as it goes, even though I have no idea what I'm doing." He was that kind of guy, you know. So he's like, well, "Hey, well, you want to go sledding?" I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" Hooks this orange sled. It may have been like an 18th of an inch thick. There was no protection. It wasn't like the thick fucking like ice fishing sleds or anything like that now because I've ridden one of those recently. This was like a thin, flimsy, flexible sled. My grandparents, they live in Lansford, North Dakota. My grandpa had this uh, piece of land behind his, essentially behind the farm that my mom grew up in, that he grew up in, that... 100 yards from the fa- from the uh, house that his family grew up in. I'm talking, like, 1900s. My family had this land since, I don't know. Yeah, I want to say, like, pre-1900s. I don't know. I, I don't really have facts to back that up. Um, I'll, I'll touch on that here in a little bit because that's a crazy story. But he hooked this shitty orange fucking Kmart or Walmart. I don't even know where the fuck they got tractor supply sled. Uh, back to the to the back of this uh, his Chevy pickup, and he fucking t- took his like, Chevy, Chevy 84, 85, whatever Chevy Silverado pickup and fucking pulled me through the alfalfa <laughs> field. Well, like there must have been a few bales that Grandpa didn't think were worth loading on to the trailer. We get clipping along, you know, and I was kind of a little bitch, you know. I'd be like, slow down, I gotta I gotta take it slow, but. At one point, he's like, you got to just let it ride. And I was on my knees. I wasn't sitting on my butt, which was a big mistake. And uh, th- I don't know if he meant to or if it was an accident, but he took me over like a little mini bale. It'd be like a full-size hay bale. It was probably like the quarter of a of a regular hay bale. Well, it had snow, like probably two, three inches of powder over the top of it. And we hit that fucker probably even, like, I don't know, 15, 20 miles an hour. And I fucking flew like... I flew up in the air. And I landed back down on the sled. I smashed my knee pretty good. But we kept going, you know. And I remember thinking, like, I'm not going to let them know that my knee hurts because that was fucking next level and awesome. And that was one of the fewer times, other than like fighting at the bus stop, that I felt adrenaline. But my knee fucking swelled up so bad. I just couldn't take it anymore. I had to throw in the flag and wave my hand up. But that was pretty cool of him to do. You know, (laughs) I thought a fucking 12-year-old kid getting a sled behind your truck and just bomb your fucking Chevy pickup through a a field and pull me through and and, what are you going to do? You know, it's like we can only go in circles for so long. So he's like, where's the jumps? But yeah, that always stands out to me. That's the most gnarly fucking sled ride I've ever taken in my entire life. My grandparents... I still live at that farm my grandpa put a quant or he put a uh fucking hate or a silo if you don't know what a silo is it's like a large grain bin essentially it's like a extra large grain bin it makes a it makes a grain bin look fucking small and i think what they used it for is they would put silage in there because it was a dairy farm so silage is corn um that you cut but you cut the whole thing you don't just take the cob or the, uh, the whatever I don't know you call it the fruit or the seed or the cob that we eat as corn what you know of as corn it took the whole fucking thing because if you see a cornfield it's just like a thing that chops it off at the bottom and then it grinds it up and shoots it into it or whatever however you harvest it and then you you spray it with water or you spray it with uh I don't know some kind of I don't know if it's chemical or whatever. And and to be 100% honest, I don't even know if they kept silage in there. Because from the time I was around, we kept silage in these big, white, fucking plastic, marshmallow-looking things. And uh, so, yeah, he took that huge grain silo, or I don't know what it was, was a silo, grain bin, and he fucking built it onto the side of his house. And one would ask, like, how the fuck does somebody even get that in their brain? Uh, how did somebody do that? And the thing is, is like he didn't even have to hire anybody to do anything. I, my grandpa has never, well, up until like last year, I think he finally uh, had some people come out and put a steel roof on his house. But he, that guy has never hired anybody to do anything ever. He does everything. They, he had a friend who happened to have a fucking crane who I talked about working at. Uh, the company that built oil rigs uh, stevens welding it used to be now it's do-all but my grandpa always did work for a guy named lynn stevens and they just happened to have a crane service so (laughs) my grandpa's like going through his little handwritten fucking rolodex that was next to his uh lazy boy recliner that he ended up in every night next to his phone went through there and he's like i know somebody with a crane called up his buddy with a crane They disconnected the bolts all the way around, like, probably, I don't know, a quarter of the way up, lifted it off, he set it next to his house, and he fucking built it as an addition to his house. And it's not, like, by any means, like, hacked or hillbilly or ghetto. I mean, he is a nice, he turned it into a very, very nice addition to his house. It's always been interesting to me, you know. I was always one of those people that just, when I got bored, I just, I like to imagine things. I like to like build things. I got the shit in my head. It was like, I'm not, I'm not going to let this, you know, I might not have the money or I might not have the resources to make this happen, but I'm going to fucking do everything I can. And there's very few times when I did that, that I did not at least get satisfied with the product that I was looking for. And I can't help but think that I, that I didn't get that from my grandpa. Because that guy gets a fucking idea in his head, and it's it's going to happen. Like he takes imagination and makes it reality. That's a huge thing. Like that's one of the, it's one of those things you don't realize until you're older. It's like when I was younger, you know. Even now, we we uh, we have a little screen printing company, and, and when I first got started, you know, I got I got showed the ropes, but it was just kind of in and out, whatever. But I just made things happen. If, you know, thank God for YouTube now, but my grandpa never fucking had YouTube. He didn't have any of that stuff. He he had a silo on his house without without any knowledge of the fucking internet whatsoever. It's like he just had to figure shit out for himself. And sometimes I I like I kind of miss that you know when I was bored and I was young and I didn't really have anything to do or anything to play with. We just made shit like we just took what we had and we fucking turned it into entertainment or we turned it into whatever we were trying to get done at that time and the closest thing i can really come to that is making t-shirts you know i didn't i didn't buy you know i didn't i didn't believe in myself enough or as like a screen printer to put the money into it and buy a bunch of expensive shit so i just kind of built it you know i kind of i don't know I, i figured out I, you know, I kind of went to YouTube later and found out that there's like a DIY way to do things. But I, I, but for some reason that just didn't occur to me. So I just did everything with that like Gerald Bradley mentality. It was like, I got some fucking plywood. I got some steel. I got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I, I fucking came across a heat gun at one point. That'll cure the shirts. My dad one time. I just told him that I wanted to make t shirts a long time ago. And he's like, Oh yeah, well what do you want to do? And I was like, I think I wanna I think I wanna start making t shirts And he just fucking went over to the lumber pile and just built me a fucking t shirt press. Just just wouldn't like I don't even know how the fuck it happened. We just we happened to have like some screen material. We happened to have a bunch of lumber. My dad has the woodworking know how to essentially build you anything you could fucking think of. And, like It wasn't even, like, weeks later. It was, like, hours later. Like, three fucking hours later, my dad built me this fucking printing press. And I had, like, a speedball kit from, like, um, Hobby Lobby. So, I had, like, the squeegee and a couple colors of ink. The things you need, like, emulsion. I think my dad surprised me uh, with, like, a fucking $80 pack of transparencies. And I I used those transparencies to make my first designs. And, like, it went from, like, a Wednesday to being, to being, like, a dream or an idea. And then, like, by, like, Thursday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, like, I had produced a fucking, like, at least 15 t-shirts. And we just did it. Like, I used the sun to cure my screens. My dad built me this fucking printing press. We figured it out. You know, me and my little brother Nathan and, and my dad, we just were, like, kind of figure it out and like that's something that i don't think happens all the time. It's like those things that you take for granted because it's so normal. Because it's all like my whole family, my whole life, they just they just made things happen. I didn't I didn't ever look at any of my family members and be like, "Oh fuck. You know, they had dreams but they never really went for them or they had ideas but they never really attempted them." It was like I think that has a lot to do with who i am today. It's like I get something in my head, and it's like this fucking hyper focus, and I just I can't give up until I at least give it a a try, or I at least get to a dead end, or maybe I never even get to a dead end. I just I think I I can kind of distract myself from my original path to where I'm like okay with where I'm ended up, if that makes any sense. But so yeah, I I really wanted to make shirts, and my my dad just made it happen, and. It's just kind of this like mentality that I've always had growing up. And, you know, I think about positivity and I think about, I think about, you know, uh, just not giving up and just like wanting something so fucking bad that you're not willing to admit that you don't have all the supplies to build it. And you always find a way to figure it out. And, you know, looking back on it, like, we always found a way to, to get what we wanted. And I always find a way now to get what I want. I think that's a positive trait. I think uh, people kind of just give up, you know. They don't want it enough. Maybe maybe they do want it enough, but maybe they just never had anybody in their life like I did. Like my grandpa putting, you know, being fixing a tractor even. He wasn't a master welder. He wasn't a master mechanic, but he. There was never any fucking service trucks at my grandpa's farm, ever. Not one time. You know, I I see my grandpa manipulate large pieces of fucking machinery with shit that was not meant to do it, you know. We'd have big steel bars and whatever, just to get the job done. Just do it, you know. And my dad, if, if, if he could build it, or even if he didn't know that he could build it, he would at least try, and I don't think that we ever didn't get to where we wanted to be might you know maybe our our idea of where we wanted to be just changed but it always ended up with this end product of what we wanted you know my my stepdad was always the same way he 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 never stopped trying to be something you know or not something but he he always had something to work for and he was always working towards it you know I don't even know how to call it if it's realistic or if it's not realistic, but it doesn't fucking matter because the main men in my life, you know, the people I had to look up to, my Uncle Robin, you know, he, he that guy was a fucking innovator. You know, I don't think he ever had any carpentry training. My grandpa didn't either. If those guys wanted something, they fucking built it. If they, you know, bought a shitty snowmobile or, or something and they didn't have all the fucking tools to fix it. They just found things to fix it. That fucking thing would run. And I I just, you know, I find myself going to YouTube where I found myself just saying, oh, I would fucking with that, you know. I'm going to drive a brand new car because I'm so sick of fucking cars breaking down on me. But then you see that payment every month and you're like, ah, you know, I miss my old shitty fucking Ford with 300,000 miles on it it's like i think the world today just kind of forces you to go for the easy route and the easy route might seem like the easy route right now but i don't think that it is because you don't get that gratification of starting with not starting with you know nothing that you needed like you needed you knew where you needed to get but you didn't have anything to get you there and then somehow you just ended up finding everything you need to solve your problem I love fixing shit. That's one of my favorite things to do. That's what I fucking do for a living, you know. I, I make something better. I fix a problem. I help people make the product that my company sells work better. That's what that's what I do. But so I mean, I don't really know where I'm going with this. But it's just I w- I would like to see and I would like to instill in my own children that idea that like willpower will will succeed, or I mean will willpower is more important than anything it's more important than opportunity it's more important than than money it's more important than fucking knowledge because you'll just figure it out you're not going to figure out anything until you just do it and that just kind of occurred to me tonight you know just like fuck anything that my family or the men in my life set out to do it always fucking happened nobody put a roadblock in it you know nobody like (laughs) it's just crazy so that's a, that's a huge driving force for me, for my career, for this podcast, for my t-shirt business, for my wife's business, you know. it. It's just there's something about it, you know. Her dad, her stepdad, those guys are some driven dudes, you know. Mitch wanted to be a fucking professional fisherman, and he did it. He did it. He not only did it, but he did it on one of the largest – you know, more dangerous lakes in America. He just fucking went out and did it. He said, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. And he fucking did it. Steve's the same way. That guy can do anything he sets his mind to. Sometimes, you know, he just, he gets it in his head that that's what he's going to do that day. And, and by the end of the day, it's fucking done. And, you know, that's a, that's a very, very important trait that I want to pass on to my children, to my son. So, I guess it's like the the uh, the revolt to the pussification of America. Or, I don't even know. That's probably not very publicly correct, but I don't fucking care. Because back a long time ago, or even 10, 12 years ago, that didn't fucking matter at all. It was just about necessity. It was about, you know, it might not have been necessity, but it was like, I'm not going to sit here in the middle of winter and be depressed. I'm going to go fucking do something. I'm going to challenge myself. And I'm going to fucking, I'm going to find a way to figure it out. I don't even know how I got on this. But if you can gather anything, you know, if there's something that you're thinking about doing, just fucking do it. What's the worst that could happen? You know, you could die tomorrow. Find myself, I tell myself that all the time. You know, uh, you could die tomorrow. What the fuck do you got to lose? Why? What What makes this minute that you're living right now, uh, you know, you deserve to make this minute just as important as as the next, or, you know, how, how can you possibly pass up this opportunity, you know, but not pass up the next one, because you might not get it, you know? You can sit and think about a hundred reasons why you shouldn't do something, or you can just fucking do it. You know, I don't know. I think you should just do it. Do more. Get the fuck out there. You know, put, scare yourself every day. I'm not saying like go jump off a fucking building or, you know, I don't know. You don't have to skydive. But make yourself uncomfortable. I like to make myself uncomfortable. I like to challenge myself. This podcast was a challenge. I didn't know if I was going to be good at it. I might not even be. But we've gotten a you know small amount of people, or actually you know in my opinion a fucking good amount of people that have given us uh, good feedback, and it makes me feel good. And I know what it's done for me, and I know what it's done for for Sam, and I know what it's done for my friends, and and you know and other people too. You know, good talk. Those guys are fucking killing it. Like they they're bringing it on a whole nother level. I feel smarter every time. I smarter. I feel. More intelligent uh, at the end of those podcasts. I feel a little bit more enlightened. You know, the imagination has more power than you could ever fucking imagine. Wait, this, I just said that. Your imagination has more power than you can imagine. That's a phrase. But your imagination has more control over your mood, has more control over your drive, than than I think anyone, anyone will admit or ever know. So... Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with it. My family was fucking cool. There's a breed of men who I think are dying off. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that that doesn't happen, you know? Go chop down a tree and fucking whittle a canoe out of it. Fucking head down the river and kill a beaver. And make a hat. That type of shit. The shit at the end of the day where you're... You don't, you don't have enough fucking energy to worry about your bank account or to worry about what's going on on social media because you hunted so fucking hard that day that all you want to do is eat. Sometimes you're so fucking tired, you can't even eat. You know, and I used to, I, when, when I, when those instances happened, when that type of thing happened to me, I didn't realize what it was. You know, I didn't, I didn't appreciate it, but, do something that i get into these things i do these things like this podcast where i can't think about if i'm hungry i can't think about if i'm nervous i can't think about if i'm anxious i can't think about you know what people think of me i can't i don't think about any of that stuff i don't think about bills i don't think about work i don't think about anything i just immerse myself in in my work or, or not my not my work but In like my hobby at the time, you know, everyone. I've always been accused of like, oh, you you know, you're you're always into something new, or you're always doing something different, or you're always doing that. But what the fuck are you doing? You know, if you're not doing that, like, what are you doing if you're not trying new hobbies? Get out there and fucking do something. You know, I don't know. Fuck, learn how to fucking kayak. I did. Kayaking's the shit. If you want to sing, just sing. <laughs> yeah. Fucking start a band. We did it. It was awesome. We weren't musicians. I wasn't a musician. We just had this fucking dream. We started with a little hole-in-the-wall studio, you know. Me and Josh Schrader met and we had this... We had a recliner. I think we had uh, one amplifier, like a legitimate one. I think it was like a PV or something. I don't know, something... Little PV stack, then we had a little shitty, uh, little shitty guitar amp. I think I just plugged a mic right into a guitar amp. And uh, Schrader had, I think, like some Lamb of God tracks down or something. He was a big Opeth fan, but I mean, he had a bunch more than that in his arsenal. And we just rented the studio, you know, in uh, in Minot, kind of on the east side of Minot there. And I, I remember the night that we showed up there. We just kinda of showed up. We had one fucking recliner, one guitar amp, and and uh and one microphone amp. Well we had good g two guitar amps, one of them I used for a PA. And I, I remember uh I think it was Ghost of Fairfax who had ended up to be was the band that was across the hall and we just heard this like music coming, you know, from across the hall and we just thought, Oh my god, you know, this guy's well they're fucking and like, what's going on over there? We go over across the hall and we listen to him jam and we're like, Yep, we're here now, we're in this building. You know, we're part of this. We didn't second guess it. We weren't like we have no drummer, we have no you know, we have no PA, we have no bass player, we we didn't have it we didn't have a plan. We said fuck it. Here's our fucking hundred and twenty five dollars for the month. Let us fucking play here. We're playing here. This is our studio now. And a month later I think we played our first show and a year later I think we played the state fair. Not the main stage, but, but it was still kind of a big deal for me, you know. It was like second stage at the fair. You know, we we got to open up uh for some pretty some pretty good bands. But that that really didn't matter, you know. The original bar was like this f- fucking staple. It's like I don't know, something about the original bar and mine. My mom met my stepdad at that same bar when it was, I think it was called Tilly's, but the but Adam Hoffman at the fucking original bar, that guy kept metal alive. Even, I could say for Minot or I could say for North Dakota, that guy played a part in keeping metal and heavy music alive. Honestly, to the point of like, to a certain extent, to what it is right now today, because the bands that... We would have, you know, crawled through, whatever, three, 4,000 people to watch. Now they're playing the O. You know, the, the bands that the original bar got after our little fucking era of, like, Minot Metal and, and Minot Music it is super impressive. Super impressive. That guy, he always treated us good. He always kept us with, with, with drinks. He, he kept us with more money than we probably deserved. You know he he gave us respect, he helped us bring in crowds that that was huge like I hope that guy gets the fucking credit you know that he deserves because he's seen something in us and in and the band across the hall and what would end up being you know three other bands that that we ended up being really tight knit with that we just played shows together there had to be a time when we sucked. And just, Adam just let us go. He's like, you know what? You know, this, this, and they still had, you know, dueling pianos and all that. And that's great. I love that shit. That, that, they probably were much more talented than, than I was as a musician. But for some reason, Adam, like, was like, I'm such a fucking metal fan. I'm such a rock music fan. I'm such a heavy rock fan that I'm just, you know... I believe in what you're doing, and here's the fucking stage, and not only here is the stage, but here's some fucking, here's free drinks all night, you know? Here's a top-quality sound guy that he paid for to make my shitty metal voice sound really, really good through fucking five effects, whatever, the setup, And, and then he would pay us. They would fucking pay us good money. We didn't even care about the money. I don't even think we ever split it up. I don't know what the fuck. It ended up going where we bought equipment. And fucking, God, it just went missing. Or I don't know what the. Fuck. Who cares? I don't. I don't fucking know. But we, we were treated so good by that bar. We were treated so good by the original bar in Minot, and we had such loyal fans. They were like our friends from high school, and you know they were our friends from. The bar, and they were just like people, just people like us. We worked with them. Everybody at Dakota Fence, everybody at 3D Specialties was at our fucking shows. If I if I had a show tomorrow, I'm nothing against the people that I work with now. And there's a few people, there's a guy, you know, some people I work with uh, that play in a band. And I feel like shit because I've never went and seen them, you know. I mean, they play mostly cover music and stuff. And there was a large, uh, a large part of my life where I was definitely against DJs and I was definitely against cover bands because I was metal. I was like, fuck DJs. I had a sticker on my truck, on my shitty Dodge Dakota that said, you know, uh, make music, you know, fuck DJs, make music or, you know, whatever. But we played covers. I didn't mind playing covers. I don't think there's anything wrong with a cover band. You know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to play covers all the time, but they sounded really good. I wanted to write. You know, we all did, but there was something about playing a song as as this metal band, and we were never a cover band. We did not. The majority of our set were never covers, but we would throw in these, like, metal songs that were, like, deep tracks of, like, side projects of, like, people that you knew from a big band, but everyone that was a metalhead at that time Knew who the fuck it was. They knew, and we would switch it up. You know, we'd pay, we'd play fucking Almond Brothers. We didn't never pass down a show. We'd play the VFW. We'd do everything. We would play everything we could. We played Breckstock one year. Chris Brecky, fucking Rice Lake. Best one of the best nights of my life. Rice Lake you used to do this thing. They'd fucking get a whole pig, right? They put up. They'd had this huge like rotisserie spit. You could fit a whole fucking pig on this thing. And they had a beautiful cabin, probably like, I don't know, four, or five, don't know, ten acres. I don't know exactly how big it was, but it was on Rice Lake before Rice Lake flooded, before the water, this little lake outside of Minot was like the recreational go-to for my entire hometown. Well, something happened. Well, they released a bunch of water into it after the flood in 2011, or something happened. But almost everybody at that lake lost their property. But before that, the Breckies had... A fucking sweet setup. I'm talking. It was like the perfect place for a festival, and I. This was. I mean, and it definitely earned the the fucking term festival because it was. It entitled what a festival should be. It was everybody meeting up. They gave us like they made like a wooden deck that overlooked the lake. They we got our sound equipment out there, and we were the headlining band. You know, semi stranded was. On the fucking right hand, they were on the right sleeve of the T-shirt. We were on there. It was there. We made it. You know, we had such a good time. All of our best friends were there. All of our fucking girlfriends were there. They they had a trampoline on the lake. You could fish. You could do anything. It was so fun. They had bunks. They had plate. We all they had a they made a campground. They cooked a pig. They had fireworks. It was, it was one of the best fucking Fourth of Julys I've ever had in my entire life. And that was, like, they had Rice Lake, these, like, I don't know, they weren't hoity-toity, but they were, like, the decently well-off people of my hometown at 9 o'clock at night had to listen to my chubby ass sing Down or fucking Pantera or, you know, uh, (laughs) just just super heavy metal at 9 o'clock. And there's no fucking way that you did not hear us for at least 15 miles. I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. We thought that people would be apprehensive and call the cops, and they fucking didn't. No, none of them did. Nobody did. If anything, we were watching boats come in and listen. We were watching cars pull up, and it was it was great. You know, that was one of the. It was like I said, it was one of the best times. That was that was like the best fucking metal show. That was the best show period, I ever played. There was, uh, you know. Uh, Josh Rivera, Justin Satterfield, uh, you know, and all those guys from Echo's Answer, they were there. And they had a, you know, we were all just sitting in the grass playing acoustics and we all kind of camped together. And I thought it was, I remember it was really funny because I was a fucking mess back then, you know. I didn't care. If like, if I, if we had a show or I went to work and I worked hard, but, but I didn't have my shit together. And I remember going to Breckstock and, I was like, well, fuck, I don't even own a tent. So I went to Walmart, and I got a one-person single, like a single-person tent. And that's meant for, like, maybe, like, a five, five, five normal-sized person. And I, you know, I'm like a fucking grizzly bear, you know. I put it up next to everybody's tent, and it was this big joke. And uh, <laughs> they are all laughing at me. They are like, there's no fucking way you're going to fit in that thing. Well, I did because I got a little bit too drunk early in the afternoon. I took to my tent to lay down and I woke up in a blunder and it had one of those screens where you have like the door to the tent, but then you have a screen also. Well, for some reason I couldn't fucking figure out that screen. So I ripped my way through it. So I get up, don't know where I am, don't know what's going on. And I get the one part open, I thought, or I didn't know how to get, I trapped. I was trapped in this little mini tent. It was claustrophobic, this little tent of emotions, and I just rip my way out of this fucker. Well, what happens once I rip the fucking tent open? I pop out of the tent to about 15 to 20 people staring and fucking laughing at me because the party had like, it was still daylight out, it was like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock the party had kind of ended up in our little campsite and I come popping out and I just remember everybody just fucking laughing because this fucking 200 300 pound guy come busting out of a fucking junior one person tent because he was, because I passed out and didn't know where I was. I think I played it off. Well, I think people were like spinning poi or throwing hula hoops and I just, Played it off, you know that's what I did then. it was awesome. Oh, fuck that was a good time i would I would give so I would give anything to to get to go back to breckstock breckstock was was a, i don't know just when i when you, you have these highlights of your life and these eras of your life, Breckstock was an era of my life like that is the main memory I have from the highlight of when everybody was happy. When we turned this dream that we had of being musicians into an actual fucking thing. And this was like the culmination of us getting getting to perform for all the people that mattered. So shout out to Chris Brecky. I will tag you in this podcast. Oh, man, good fucking times. Shout out to fucking Josh Schrader, to fucking Richard Ferguson to Andy Eliasson, to fucking Casey Graves, my brothers in arms, Nick Herzig, you know, fuck. Jordan Thielen, you know, later members. We we had something special at the fucking Icona Storage. So many good things happened there. It was so great. You know, it's just like, that would have never fucking happened. That era of my life would not have happened if me and Schrader didn't get put in a fucking 3d specialties truck together and you know like my first day he's like oh you're gonna josh jump in nicest fucking dude I ever met. not an asshole not he did more work than me he was the foreman i was like this guy's fucking cool i hated metal he played metal for fucking two months i was like dude this shit's giving me a fucking headache respect but i can't listen to this shit anymore and then, like, I don't know what it was. I think he showed me Pantera, or he showed me Down. I think Down, Stone the Crow was the song that, that turned it all around for me. And the next thing you know, I couldn't get enough of it. I just loved it. I fucking loved it. And I started singing along in the truck in the night, or the what was it, two thousand three GMC Sierra Dakota Fence Three D Specialties truck, and I and we started singing along. And Schrader looked over at me one day, and he's like, dude. You know, you kind of, you know, you got some pipes on you. I think that's exactly what he fucking said. I was like, I do. You know, right on, man. Uh, Let's do this. We didn't question it at all. Like, there was no, like, should we, shouldn't we. We just fucking did it. And we, I don't know. I don't even know where the fuck. I think Schrader's mom found the spot for us, but I'm rambling in a hotel in South Carolina right now, but, if there, if you can take anything from this podcast is, if you've ever wanted to do anything, if you want to, if you want to start a fucking YouTube channel of you on your boat catching fish, you know, if you want to, uh, if you want to start playing guitar, I know there's, I hear that all the time. Oh, I'd really like to start playing guitar. Uh, you know, I bought a bass, but I never really, I never really went anywhere with it. Well, number one. Bass players are their own breed. And nobody ever starts out playing bass. Do not let your kid start off on bass unless they're going to play in school. Because you will lose interest. Because, I guess I shouldn't even say that. Because there's some great bass players out there. But for me personally, I've never sat down with a bass and been like, Dude, boodle boop, check out this fucking sweet bass line. You always got to start with a guitar. And then it's just kind of a necessity that a band needs a bass player. So you get in on it. And then there's something about feeling that bass tie together the rhythm guitar player and tie together the lead guitar player that brings everything together. And you don't notice it until they're not there. And then it's the most important instrument in the band. But if you ever thought about playing guitar, don't go for bass first. Go to a fucking pawn shop, buy an acoustic guitar, go to fucking tab.com, put in, go to YouTube and put in, Uh, three-chord songs or two-chord songs and learn how to play those songs. Teach yourself guitar, you know. Do, you, you know, you could die tomorrow. Just fucking do it. You know, got money. Don't max out your credit cards, but, you know, if you're doing okay for yourself and, you know, you got a little bit of credit or something and you got a dream, I think a couple thousand dollars is worth investing in yourself. Someone told me one time that a business, a business, Billy Lutzen told me one time he, when I wanted to be this like overnight fucking t-shirt guy, you know, I want to be a mass screen printer that ended up, t- my first attempt just didn't work out, you know, I had a good teacher and I had a good guy that was willing to invest in me, but I just wasn't ready to be that person yet. But he told me, he said, I heard that you feed a business for 10 years before you ever get anything back and I don't know if that's necessarily true but I think that it's more true than what I realized at the time but you're not going to start a business for $100 you're not going to start a business for $200 you know spend the money take the risk what's the fucking it's just money you know if you lose your ass you're never you're not going to lay on your deathbed and, and wonder if if you could have done it just do it you know you're not Think about it. The thing that you're the best at right now, you weren't. You know, there was a time when you knew nothing about it, and you only get better at things by doing them. You know, this podcast is like a. It's. I, I call it a journey, but I don't, it's not a journey. This is. I love this. I love listening to it. I love listening to people's lives. I love the perspective. I just. I'm infatuated with it. You know. It's not an overnight hobby for me like I feel something from doing this that I don't that I haven't felt since I made music the tingles you know when you hear your favorite song and you get the fucking goosebumps something about that and you get those tingles when you play music too well I get the tingles from podcasts and I get the tingles from making it and I get the tingles from listening to it so if people like what I'm saying that's fucking great but if not it doesn't matter to me at all 'Cause I really like to do it. I really like to listen to it. And if one person has a thought in their brain to go for one thing that they've wanted to do, not even for a long time. If you've been thinking about doing something for a month, just fucking do it. So it is eleven thirty, twelve thirty uh east coast. Uh what I don't even know what it's called. Eastern time. Uh so I'm going to I'm going to call this quits. I don't know what I'm going to call it. I'm going to listen to this real quick and try to tag everybody that I mentioned. Um check out uh you got to check out the Good Talk 5, the Good Talk the Good Talk podcast, Joan Alanto, uh Chris Rubb, a whole bunch of guests. Those guys are fucking killing it right now. Like the sometimes I have to reread their description like three times cuz I'm like, "What the fuck did he just say?" But then you listen to the podcast and it's like these guys are fucking next level, but I understand exactly what they mean. And I find myself looking off into the distance sometimes and just like thinking about things. But if you, uh, you know, if you, if you have an extra few minutes, if you're working out at the gym, uh, you know, if you're at work, you know, uh, give up, give us a listen, listen to the other episodes, give the, give the good talk five, uh, they're on iTunes or, you know, they're, um, on Twitter. Um, Give those guys a, a listen, too. I think it's great, you know. It just so happened that I was getting serious about podcasting, uh, and I kind of put it on the back burner, you know, and then I, I like, pull up Facebook or something, and I see that they did it, and I listened to their first two episodes, and I was like, holy shit, you guys just did it. It's awesome. I have to do it, you know, and part of me thinks that if I wouldn't have heard that, I would, have, I would still be fucking kicking rocks, you know. I'd be dragging my feet. So I'm glad that they started their podcast because it essentially made it feasible for me to, and and I'm having a great time with this, and I'm not even very good at it, you know, but I'm going to be someday. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not this year, but there's going to come a time when I'm going to listen to this podcast and say, hey, I remember that time, just like I listened to Semi-Stranded's first song, and I'm going to say fucking amen. Amen. I'm so glad I did that because I'm never forgetting I'm never gonna forget it. So here I go, reminiscing, rambling on. Uh no what's up with that, no gigs, or no, you know, no uh, urban dictionary roulettes, none of that shit. Just some real talk. What's up podcast, real talk. So uh thank you guys very much. Uh if you have an extra minute and I've invited you, uh on facebook or if i haven't please just go to the what's up podcast on facebook and give us a like Um, if you have an iphone please go to apple itunes go to the search bar search what's up podcast where the colorful uh, blue and yellow and red kind of old comic book poppy pop art style i made that i came up with our logo in photoshop Uh, i just kind of had this vision of what i wanted it to look like and it turned out perfectly in my opinion so there is another What's Up podcast. It's not in English, so that doesn't count. Uh, there's a What's Up Homes or What's Up Fool. That's number two. And then the third one is What's Up Podcast. If you go to iTunes, search What's Up Podcast, where the bright blue one with the yellow bubble, which you'd already know because you're listening to it. Wait a minute. I don't know. Anyway, uh, give us a review. Um, you know, give us a good review, give us a bad review. Thank you very, very much. Tell your, You know, tell your friends about this. If you listen to this podcast and you heard somebody's name brought up, fucking tell them. I'll try to tag them in it. But uh, I hope everybody has a a great night. Um, I'm headed to the coast now. I'm going to go check out Jacksonville, Florida. I'm going to see what the Georgia coast has. um, And I will check back in um, in a day or two. All right, everybody. Goodbye.